You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hello, listeners to Geekiest Show Ever. This is Kevin again, entering the supplemental log entry for this show. Uh, I want to apologize for the sound recording and the fact that I was cutting out some during the recording. Uh, recording on a Sunday morning with uh, the kids in the house full of sugar after I made the mistake of buying them donuts this morning. Uh, maybe not the best idea, but uh, some in some places it cut in and out as I was muting my microphone to try to compensate for them bouncing off the walls, so to speak, upstairs. So uh, please forgive the sound quality. I cleaned it up some, and I know Mark will clean it up as much as he can, but uh, hopefully it doesn't interfere with your listening experience. So enjoy the show. Thanks, everybody. Well, good morning, evening, or afternoon, whatever it is, because of the time zone thing, we don't try to discriminate. This is Geekiest Show Ever, episode 88. And you say, who is that speaking? That sounds like Kevin and not Mark. Well, there's a good reason for that. Mark decided to take a little vacation, a little mini family vacation, and went to the ocean side there in Australia. Um, I did receive word that the man Keeney had been brought out and was being worn. Um, and that made me cringe and actually made me throw up just a little bit in my mouth. So uh, we, we, we wish Mark and his family, are, I hope they're having a great time. It uh, seems kind of odd, I guess, to people in the United States, or at least the northern half of the United States, that you'd be at the beach um, right at this time of year because it's not exactly that kind of weather around here in this part of the hemisphere anyway unless you're in florida maybe but uh, i do have an able co-host who has joined me many times and who has graciously agreed to join us again i have with us mr mike mcpeak how you doing mike not too bad i'm either uh, very confident or a glutton for punishment i haven't figured out which yet so um we'll say a little bit of both how does that sound Okay, I guess that makes me a geek then. A geek's willing to persist, so. That, that's right, that's right. So, uh, Mark, or Mike, God, can't even talk this morning, new teeth. Uh, Mike was gracious enough to get up early on a Sunday morning after working all day yesterday. Um, so. Yeah, it's sports season. We had a wrestling tournament. Next Saturday, we have a basketball doubleheader. So, yeah, we're getting into the season where I have to put in a few extra hours. The overtime is nice, but only having Sunday morning to recharge my geek batteries is a little little tough. But, you know, I'll muscle through it. I got a, a coffee of uh, motivational therapy, otherwise known as coffee, here beside me. So if you hear a little slurp once in a while, I'm just getting things ready to, or, you know, getting charged up here. Well, if you need to recharge your geek batteries, do you use a 30-pin or a lightning adapter? Uh, I don't know. Lightning adapter, I might be afraid of getting shocked, so I might <laughs> just go 30-pin, go a little old-schooler. <laughs> Had to throw that one in there for you real quick, Mike. Yeah, we just won't say where the port is at, so we'll just leave that one to everyone's imagination. Ooh, no, no, no. Let's not, <laughs> let's not discuss inputs. Um so we've got uh, a few things we want to talk to uh, talk to you about, and one of the things that uh, Mike brought up was a little bit of sci-fi, because as uh, listeners might know, uh, Mike's one of the co-hosts over on the Sci-Fi Tech Talk podcast. Did I say it right? Yep, yep. With, it sounds uh, kind of like a clock, Tech Talk. Yeah, with uh, Julie Keel himself, and I forget your other host name, and God forgive me for that. Jeff Sire. Yes. So, and I encourage listeners to go over and have a listen. It's a great, fun uh, podcast to listen to. 
Yeah, you know, they called me, and I, I they started out with the two of them, then they kind of realized sometimes it's kind of good to have a third person there. So I came in about, well, I think episode 9, 10, somewhere in there. I forget which one it was. And I've been doing that with them, and, uh, you know, and that's been fun. And it uh, it kind of fits in the, the, the geekdom there because, you know, we talk about sci-fi and um, – you know, I started out listening to – I grew up with sci-fi because uh, I'm, I've turned 50 years old this year. So I was old enough that uh, – I've talked about it on um, uh, some of my podcasts that there's a big age difference between me and my next oldest brother. So he's 14 years older than I am. So when Star Trek first started airing in 1966, I was about four years old. So he was about 18, just ready to go off to uh, college. And so we would sit down there once in a while, or when he'd come home from college, we'd sit down and watch Star Trek together. So I probably watched them when they originally aired, which makes me feel rather old. But, um, you know, we watched the original ones there. And, and that's where I, and then he also got me hooked on uh, like Spider Man comics. So that's, uh, you know, kind of the, the genesis point of, uh, uh, geekdom and uh, science fiction and that kind of stuff, and so you know I grew up with that uh, uh, that kind of uh, material. And then on the back stair steps, there was a bunch of old books, and uh, oh, there was uh, oh, different types, but there was some um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who wrote um, the Sherlock Holmes books. But then there was also a bunch of um, um, oh, great! Now is nice, nice time for my brain to shut down. The guy who wrote Tarzan. Um, oh. Um. Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes. There we go. Yes, my, my, my brain kicked in. Yeah, he wrote Tarzan, but he also wrote like um, John Carter of Mars and the Pellucidor books, which was some you know early science fiction stuff. This was written like 1919, if I remember right, really early stuff. And uh, so that was uh, some introduction to uh, uh, science fiction right there and just being on different worlds with different people and uh, all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, I was introduced to this stuff uh, early and, and just growing up uh, – uh, a kid on the plane, a South Plains of South Dakota on a farm with nobody else around except my parents. I had an active imagination, so I'd read these books. I'd go off to different worlds, different planets, you know. And so it just kind of uh, – that just fed into the way that I kind of thought anyway. So, you know, I've, I've loved science fiction for, for years. I've always – I wanted to get a T-shirt that says, give me my Star Trek future and do it now. <laughs> That's just the way I felt about it, that, uh, you know, you see all this stuff and I'm thinking, why can't we do this just like right now? Yeah, I I am same feeling. I you know you and I are the same age. I think we've determined you're just about uh, about four or five months older than I am. So uh, we're of that we're we're men of that certain age as the, as the, I think they say now. Oi, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know I don't know. I didn't watch Star Trek till towards the end of the series when it was originally on, and then probably in the late '60s when it hit some of the big reruns and I was a little older and could understand it a little better. I started watching it. You know, I'd be home from school because I wasn't feeling well or something like that. and um, I, I watched it all the time, but I did love to read sci-fi as soon as I started reading a lot. I mean, I read stuff like uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Oh, yeah, I've read that. That's among one of my favorites. One of those more psychological... Uh, the ones that make you think a little bit cerebral. There we go. There, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the ones that make you think. Uh, that wasn't so much swashbuckling as it was. You had to sit there and actually kind of process some information. Yeah, and um, then I do. I remember joining. You know, and I think they still exist. Is book clubs, you know, mail order book clubs, and I joined the science fiction mail order book club, 
and I read tons and tons. And the, the great thing about that was, I mean, I'm not going to say all of it was really good, but I got exposure to a lot of authors I probably wouldn't have otherwise because the local library and the school library, the sci-fi section was, we shall say, um, very thin on the ground. Skimpy, Skimpy yes. So there were, uh, but there were a lot of sci-fi books. And then uh, that, then uh, when one of the kids that I got to be friends with moved in the neighborhood, he was into sci-fi stuff too. So he and I would trade books and stuff like that. And then we expanded our circles. And uh, But I read a lot of good books growing up and the nice thing was they were nice and short I mean you know when you're younger a lot of times you don't want to spend like Eisenhower's Foundation Trilogy is I forget how many hundreds and hundreds of pages long it's a it's enough that you could almost murder somebody with it I don't have a copy anymore but I you, got mine my, mine's right up there on the shelf and I can see it I can't reach it to pull it down but it's probably a good 300 pages uh, yeah um, in that in that I don't think that's the bridge version I don't think but yeah I have, yeah, it's a fairly good haul to read that thing. Yeah, I, I I liked the ones I would get. They were about 150 pages or so, 100, 150 page books. Um, and they used to have, I think, the, the, of course, there's book club books, the paper that they print them on is really not high quality paper. <laughs> pulp pulp uh, books, yeah. Yeah. And you see, I used to get a subscription to. Uh, um, Science fiction short story magazine, or it was Isaac Asimov's. Um, I forget what the title was, but uh, I think it was Isaac Asimov's uh, short stories or something. They would come once a month, and they had uh, oh five or six. I forget what it was uh, short stories in there. So they were only like a few pages long, but you know you could uh, again you were exposed to a lot of authors and you know many of whom I don't remember, but and some were good and some were just kind of meh. But uh, that one, and then I also got Alfred Hitchcock's. Um, uh, had a, a short story magazine, um, and they were the types that you know uh, Hitchcock always had kind of little the little hook at the end of the story that where you change directions or whatever just to kind of throw the reader off a little bit. And so I had those two. Uh, that was like in the early '80s, um, and I would get those, and I always found them fascinating to read. Well, you know, another great old television show like that was The Twilight Zone and The Outer Limits. I remember staying up to watch those. And uh, I think the rest of my family thought there was something seriously wrong with me for doing it. But uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that stuff and getting into it. Well, and then uh, for a while, uh, like on Sunday afternoons, you know, this was, uh, oh, in the 70s. So there wasn't, you know, television programming hadn't taken off. There wasn't cable TV like there is now. And so the local stations would just kind of throw in some stuff to uh, fill in programming time. So like on Sunday afternoons or maybe late Saturday night or Sunday night, they would put on uh, B-grade science fiction movies. Um, the one that I can remember was Attack of the Killer Shrews. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was some awful stuff, or some you know awful uh, uh, Frankenstein or vampire movies or something like that. Um, just not. Uh, yeah, there was what was that guy's name that hosted a a late night horror movie fest? He was like a vampire. Well, there was uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. She had some. Uh, I don't remember watching it, but I do remember uh, her hosting those shows. A guy, I don't remember. He was like a maybe it might have been local to the uh, to the Northern Virginia area, but he was like uh, I think it was because I think he appeared on one of the UHF channels around here, so I think it was fairly local. He was the same guy that did uh, like 
I think it was called Captain 20 for the cartoons. And then, you know, in, in the morning he would do that. And then at night they'd put him in a vampire suit and throw him in a coffin. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he was, uh, he was kind of a, I think it was kind of a lo- more of a local thing, but, uh, he would have some more, and you would, you'd have these B grade movies, you know, the, um, the attack of the killer deer or, you know, fawn of death. And I mean, you know, all this I've, weird stuff. I, I've recorded a few of those and got them on my, um, um, media center over here. Uh, was it the man, uh, man with two heads or something like that? The guy started sprouting a head on his shoulder there and it kept growing until finally, I think the conclusion, not to spoil it for anybody, if they really want to go out and watch it. Uh, basically I think he split into two bodies and basically one was good and one was evil or something like that. And yeah, it was really kind of a weird, uh, and they would come up with some weird ones. Um, you know, and then you had the, the Godzilla movies, which, uh, I, you know, I won't say they're, well, they were a little weird, but they were kind of what campy kind of, uh, tongue in cheek, uh, movies to watch. Yeah. Except we didn't know it then. Well, yeah. Then that was kind of okay. Now you look back and you kind of go, man, that's cheesy, but. Well, I know one thing we used to always get together to watch was a show called Ultraman. Did you ever see Ultraman? And it was it was a uh, Japanese import, and he was like he'd have Godzilla and Rodan and Mothra, and I'm trying to remember all these other, you know, thing. I'm surprised there's anything left of Japan the way those monsters used to tear it apart. But um, Ultraman was yeah, it's been a long time. He would come in in his suit and he'd become giant size like the monsters, and they trample the crap out of some poor little Japanese city or town and. You know, it was. It, it, I go back every once in a while and I'll catch an episode of it uh, on television, and I'll be flipping through and find it. And it's like, whoa, I really enjoyed this, and whoa, this is really, really cheesy now when I look at. It. I mean, it makes uh, Star Trek look like. Uh, I mean, the old the special effects that were in Star Trek were all you know we, the original series, and then you you, you see how bad they can be at times. Um, yeah, yeah, because like the uh, uh, doors that would slide open, they'd have somebody behind the set with ropes pulling the doors open for them. Yeah, yeah, so. uh, they they did it on the cheap, but uh, yeah, for then it was not uh, too bad. But yeah, some of those uh, science fiction movies, they were you know you could uh, see what what's that one that has the uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space? I think it is has the title of probably being like the worst science fiction movie uh, ever. And uh, I think they had, like, uh, flying uh, garbage lids where the uh, garbage can lids was the flying saucer. You could see the strings that was holding them up. And uh, it's one of those movies that was so bad it became good. Yeah, well, that's like, uh, did you ever see the really, really old, old Buck Rogers movies? Uh, the, the old serialized ones? Yeah, the one where the spaceship looked like it had about 50 sparklers shooting out the back end of it. Yeah, I think, yeah, that was, yeah, was it Buck Rogers? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I know we watched some of those serialized ones. Sometimes in high school, just to keep us amused, they would play uh, some of those um, in one of the classrooms. And yeah, maybe it was Buck Rogers. I was thinking of something else. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was Buck Rogers. They, oh, God, they were... They were bad, but we watched them and we enjoyed them. We didn't know any better, so hey, yeah, it, it worked. But you you mentioned too uh, before we got started that you had a uh, recent purchase related to sci-fi stuff. Well, I you know I'm 
mentioned on this show before that I'm kind of infamous for being kind of scotch. I don't like to use the word cheap. That sounds pedest- so pedestrian. Uh, so I think scotch makes it sound a little bit more um, uh, upper class. But I went out and bought a couple DVDs uh, from the, the bargain bin. So they're, they're you know a little older, not the newest movies. I got uh, the Green Lantern movie and then the uh, Star Trek reboot by J.J. Abrams. And I watched them the last couple days. I love the uh, Star Trek movie. I got it a couple years ago for Christmas when it first came out on uh, DVD, and uh, my my wife was very kind uh, and bought me the collector's edition where the uh, DVDs in the uh, saucer portion of the uh, mm-hmm. of the of the Enterprise. I think I saw that one. Uh, yeah, that looked pretty cool. Mine was just you know a, a three ninety nine one, but um, uh, and it had some of the. Uh, extras in at the uh, bl- uh, blooper reel and then some of their explanation for what they were doing but um you know having watched like i said the watching the original and then i watched the star trek the this new one i thought it was i'm still trying to wrap my mind around it because uh to kind of get a, a plug in for my uh, uh our sci-fi tech talk tonight we're going to be talking about time travel and so this movie dealt with time travel i'm still trying to wrap my mind around the plot there and trying to have it make sense maybe i shouldn't maybe i should just let it be what it is but you know to me it sounded like by the end of the movie they had uh, justified their spinoff by saying it's kind of an alternate timeline that um with the events of the movie that happened um the original Star Trek uh, universe still exists in an alternate timeline, and they're kind of going off in their own direction. Yeah, because there was a split, and that's how the two Spocks, uh, old Spock and young Spocks, get together. And uh... and you see that that moment bugged me because I always thought that if you met yourself at uh, met yourself from a previous timeline, that uh, the whole space time continuum would tear and that you know chaos would ensue. I didn't think that was uh, uh, kosher by the rules of time travel. I think it was uh, only that way to avoid having to have two versions of somebody on the screen at the same time. It was a special effects question. But, you know, time travel is interesting. I, there was a um, – I've always enjoyed that theory uh, as far as uh, sci-fi goes. And I know I read a – I've read a lot of books that take time travel and then take alternate history and mix the two together. Where, you know, you'll go back in time and you'll do something supposedly nonchalantly, you know. Uh, you said hi to some guy or stopped him and talked to him for ten minutes and uh, he didn't do whatever. And, you know, the butterfly effect took over mm-hmm. and, um, and and cascaded out. Because there was uh, one I was reading, not oh, it's been a couple years ago now, where the guy was traveling in time. You know, it was how bad the United States was, and come to find out, the it was an alternate timeline where the Civil War had kind of ended in a draw, and you know there were still two countries, and then the uh, the South became a more powerful country. The Confederacy did, and and this guy was at this science institute in the North, but he traveled back in time, and he did something, I'm trying to remember, he caused something to happen at the Battle of Gettysburg and made the South, which which has actually happened, at least in the timeline we currently live in, um, <laughs> thankfully, and he caused the South to lose that battle and lose the war and follow forward now, and when he traveled forward in time uh, and he got back, 
nothing of course was as it was the institute that he'd been a part of and all that sort of thing and now he had no way to go back and fix his mistake to bring it back to the realities that he had left and you see that sounds sort of similar uh, uh, my co-host Jeff Sire was talking about a book and we may do made good in a future episode sometime about along that same line but this was like uh, scientists from South Africa because they had their apartheid system where you know you had the whites and the the blacks or two separate uh uh, classes within the country. Well, the premise of this book was that these uh, people wanted to preserve apartheid, so they went back in history and they armed the South because the picture of the book shows uh, like uh, uh, Lee, Robert E. Lee holding like a submachine gun. Um, and they went back in time, helped fund the, the South so that they would uh, win the Civil War and so that there would be another uh, country with slavery. So then when uh, South Africa came along, there would be more like them and so they could preserve their, their system. It was one of those alternate timeline things where they go back and change you know, some part of history. Uh, and you know, it was along that same lines. And um, it, it would be fascinating to see you know, if they can pull it off. I mean, I'll – believe anything as long as they make it credible but if it sounds too far-fetched then you know i'll, I'll just kind of write them off but if they make this sound credible and, and reasonable you know it might be an interesting book to read yeah I, alternate history i've talked about it on the show before became a really uh, big thing that i love i absolutely love to read alternate history just take one small event twitch it the other way and then they follow the path down what it goes. Uh, one of my favorite authors I've mentioned before on the show is uh, Harry Turtledove, who writes a great series of alternate history books. Uh, I'm reading one now. I've got another one to read um, uh, called Atlantis, where it's basically like the eastern third of the United States uh, was not part of the North American continent, but was part of another continent that sat about halfway in the Atlantic between the Europe and African Europe and Africa and the United States and uh, what is now North America I should say and it was it's kind of an interesting premise and the, the timeline that it follows um, but I've read a lot of other interesting alternate history I have a great book and I wish I had it here in front of me but it's upstairs um, that's a bunch of short story alternate histories which I really really enjoy and um, they're just they're just fascinating reads you know a 40 or 50 page story and it it twists around and the other thing that i like with the time travel as you were talking about is where they show timelines where they travel back in time or forward in time and then where the two timelines intersect back again sometime backwards or forwards and what happens where they try to correct or prevent that intersection of the timelines because they think it's going to cause something that can always present an interesting storyline at least in my opinion well yeah when you go back in time and start fooling around with things and you know then either maybe the premise of like back to the future was that he had to go back in time to alter things because his family was starting to disappear off the family photo because and so he had to go back and correct things and it's uh, those kind of movies that uh, yeah just to think about what would happen uh, if you did that and you know even going back to Star Trek they always had the prime directive about not interfering with things although they did seem to kind of break that from time to time but um, you know just going back and tinkering with things yeah they they would they seemed to only break it when it had already where they thought it had been broken at times or. 
it was kind of strange. We were talking about it at work the other day uh, at lunchtime about some of the ways that um, they changed, you know, not interfering with this civilization, or they'd find a planet where some previous uh, uh, Federation ship had introduced something that they shouldn't have, and, you know, then they had all those alternate time or those, you know, where they were developing, like the United States, they had one where they showed up, and this guy that was a Federation officer, remember he was... Um, they had like a uh, a modern day Germany, and he was like the Hitler of Germany, but he'd been drugged or something like that. Um, my favorite part was seeing Leonard Nimoy in a Nazi uniform. That was just that was just weird. <laughs> yeah, it was a little unsettling. Well, then there was the other one where they had to go back to I think it was like 1930s America. Uh, it, it starred Joan Collins before she became uh, famous. Uh, and they had basically the premise was that she had to die because if she didn't, uh, if she didn't wasn't involved in this accident that killed her, she would go on to have a child, which would then uh, see what was the premise that he would uh, develop this thing which would change the course of history, which uh, maybe would bring the was it the Nazis to power? Or, I forget what it was, but anyway, he did this thing that changed the course of history. So they had to go back there, and I don't know why that got off track, but they had to go back and make sure that she was involved in this accident that killed her. Oh, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I remember that one because Kirk saved her by accident. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, he. I forgot how he got sent back in time. Um, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that episode. I, I remember bits and pieces of it and something. Uh, yeah, crap. Now I'm going to have to go dig that one out and watch it. Yeah, and hopefully soon, because I've been listening to the uh, the Mission Log uh, podcast where they go back and review all of the old uh, uh, Star Trek uh, episodes in in broadcast order, not necessarily in the order that they were produced. And so they're going down the whole line there, and they do a synopsis, or they do each uh, episode is a podcast, and they talk about it and the, the details and all that kind of stuff. And I'm hoping that they'll get to that one because that could be rather interesting. But I think that's probably like in season two or three uh yeah I th- yeah it's later it's towards the end of season two if memory serves me correctly yeah it could be because i have i should just sit down and rewatch those sometimes but it was just kind of interesting you know you were talking about spock in a nazi uniform just watching those guys wearing fedoras and suits was a little weird to wrap your mind around yeah, much easier for the costumers, though, I'm sure, to have them wearing that than some of the other stuff they had to make up for them. Oh, yeah, some of the suits were. But, you know, the makeup, uh, you know, com- if you start comparing the old Star Trek to the new Star Trek, the uh, makeup back then wasn't so much, um, you know, you had your, your Klingons and your, your Romulans and your um, uh, Vulcans. They all had was kind of put pointy ears on and such. But once they started getting into the uh, the next generation stuff, then uh, they started getting into the more elaborate face makeup, and you had the Ferengis and the uh, um, oh shoot, I can't think of the ones uh, from uh, Deep Space Nine. What planet were they orbiting? No, I don't know. It, that was the one. That was the one episode, one series around Star Trek that I did not enjoy was Deep Space Nine. Um, it was it ran kind of hot and cold for me. Once they started. Uh, I think maybe once they got that uh, new advanced spaceship that they had there, so they could start getting off the space station more uh, and go, you know, off into space. And I think it got better when they were kind of confined to the planet or the space station. I think that kind of limited them a little bit. But once they were able to start getting into uh, what we considered more uh, typical Star Trek stuff with the uh, the dog fights and the you know the shootouts and that kind of stuff, then I think I got into it a little more. 
Yeah, that's one of the things I enjoyed about Mark and I have both talked about how much we like uh, liked Enterprise. I mean, they really the the prequel to the original Star Trek. We really like you know they they were always fighting and shooting somebody and oh no we're peaceful let me shoot you in the head you know. So. <laughs> And to be honest, that is one uh, part of the Star Trek um, franchise I haven't tried yet. I should—I uh, think it's probably out there on Amazon um, Prime. I should just sit down and start watching those sometime. Yeah, it's really the first two seasons are really good. It got a little bit towards going off track or jumping the 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 shark, as as we've talked about, um, towards three and four, but. You know what? It's so good. I still watch it. I've bought, I think there was a while back, and I have to give a nod to uh, somebody we both know, and uh, uh, Katie Floyd, for tipping me off a while back where they had the entire first season on iTunes. Standard death, but they had the entire first season for like 12 bucks, I think it was. So that was pretty cheap. You know, you just downloaded the whole first season and you had it. And then periodically, I'll uh, I've been as much as I don't normally buy stuff through iTunes for movies, and I tend to buy DVDs. Yes, and the man who shall remain nameless can yell at his his device. I you know I still buy DVDs. I just bought DV I just bought a DVD not long ago. But anyway, um, I did buy those. I mean, twelve bucks for however many episodes, twenty some episodes seemed like a good deal to me at the time for standard def, and I knew nobody else was going to watch them but me, so. I figured. Well, I kind of, I kind of straddle the fence. I go, um, let's just say I'm flexible. I'll go both directions on that. I'll buy a DVD if I come across it. It's a movie I like, and the price is right. But most of the times, a lot of the movies, if I watch them once, I'm probably satisfied. So uh, I might watch them on Amazon Prime because I have a, a Prime account. So if I can watch them for free, I will. Um, to do our, uh, our sci-fi tech talk podcast i've had the i've rented a few movies um uh to watch them but uh, you know normally uh, for our podcast um public domain is a friend of ours because a lot of that stuff is uh the price is right you know this is a low budget operation so if we can uh anything that's public domain free or we can watch on amazon or if somebody has a netflix account or something uh you know we'll watch a lot of that stuff but uh so i have a few dvds my collection isn't as extensive um i do have like the watchman movie and um you know the ones that you know. If I had the ones that I would go out and buy, I've got Watchmen, I've got League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, uh, I've, Sci-Fi had a uh, or kind of a retelling of the Alice uh, fairy tale, uh, where it's like forty years after Alice has left the uh, uh, Wonderland, and she goes back, and the uh, Queen of Hearts has uh, become the evil maniacal ruler. Uh, you know that one is I thought was pretty interesting. I saw it on Sci-Fi, I thought, oh, I like this, so I went out and bought it on DVD. So I only have you know a handful of DVDs that I have gone out to buy. Otherwise, I'll just uh, you know watch them on Amazon. Well, the Walmart bargain bin can uh, really be your friend when it comes to that sort of thing. I mean, I've gone in there a couple times and picked up, you know, five and six, seven DVDs for less than 25 or 30 bucks. And, you know, some great movies that, that I thoroughly enjoy, not just sci-fi, but comedies uh, as well, that you can get a, a heck of a bargain on there. You just have to be patient and be willing to do a little digging. 
Yeah, and you know, just not be uh, don't you're not going to be current on watching shows. But I mean, if you're uh, not into the water cooler talk about standing around and talking about the most current thing, yeah, just wait for because um, I'll go through the Walmart stuff. That's where I got this stuff was the the bargain bin there, and I'll look around and uh, stroll through there. And because I got um, you know some of my other shows I like to watch that aren't science fiction, uh, I like Bones. Um, that's a good one. They had a couple seasons for. I want to say about 12 bucks a season or something like that. So I grabbed them up. Another show that I liked that has been on for quite a while was Crossing Jordan, a, a crime uh, th- uh, thriller. She was a, a pathologist coroner. And um, with, uh, what was her name? I know who you're talking about. I remember seeing the show a few times. Yeah, and you know that one. But the problem with that one is they only got, like, I think the first first season out on dvd they uh having trouble with releasing the rest of them because uh, they used a lot of music in there they don't have the music rights for distribution so i'm just waiting to see if they ever get them ironed out that i might grab those up because i did like those shows and you know they, they're not on tv a lot no i uh i i mean i i always have i have all the seasons they've released to the big bang theory on dvd and then um i have tons of other stuff you know one of the good things about streaming stuff especially Netflix, is it allowed me to watch the IT crowd. Um, our friend Steve Stanger turned me on to that one, and um, I got to watch that, and it was like, oh, my God, I love that show. That's a uh, show for just nerding out or geeking out big time with those guys. Uh, there's a couple, if the listeners haven't seen it, go in and watch in YouTube, search for the IT crowd, and there's several short clips of the uh, characters you know, three, four-minute segments, uh, two or three, four-minute segments from that show. And you'll get hooked really, really big time if you're a nerd, a geek, or something like that. It's And, and if you like British humor, I mean, it is just absolutely hilarious stuff. Uh, it, plus, they can get away with a lot more than we can on American television. Well, yeah, and, you know, yeah, I've seen that show, and I don't know that I've watched all of them, but I have gone to YouTube and watched a lot of uh, clip reels or whatever, and um, I like, I've always just wanted to get, like, a little uh, thing that I could stick in my pocket, a little uh, audio player, and just put on there a loop, uh, you know, have you turned it off and on again? Uh, so that when people ask me tech questions, I just pull it out and hit the little button on the uh, audio player, you know, and just save my uh, my voice and just you know uh, let that play. And, but you know, the one I found the funniest was um, they're out there on the street and they discover this robot and then they realize it's a bomb disposal uh, <laughs> robot. And the, the robot is frozen. And one of the guys asks him, "What operating system um, are you using?" And he says, "Vista." And he goes, "Oh God, we're going to die." <laughs> yeah, we're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. What that clip is on YouTube too. It's funny with Moss and, uh, and Moss is over there bent over working on. It. <laughs> but, and then, like, and I, I'm terrible with character names, but the uh, the girl back there, because um, uh, they. Uh, the, uh, the the other character says, uh, "Have you tried turning it off and on again?" And she goes, "Woohoo!" And they all look at her because you know there's a, bo- a bomb about ready to go off. She says, "I just want a hundred quid because uh, she bet him that he couldn't go a day without saying, "Have you turned it off and on again?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I re- yes, I do remember her saying, "Yeah, I remember that portion of that episode." Now I'm gonna have to go watch that episode again. Damn it, Mike! You're gonna eat up my Saturday Sunday watching these shows when you remind me of them. I just call me a big time suck. So. so <laughs> well, you talked about buying things and stuff with the uh, holiday season upon us. 
Um, and I talked about last week about all the decorations and stuff I'd put up. Um, and yes, listeners, I even put up another Christmas tree, but this was over at my mother's house yesterday. So um, I've, I'm done, I think, decorating Christmas trees for the season. So that's uh, one, two, three, four, four trees of any of a significant size that I've put up so since uh, the day after Thanksgiving. So um, that's that's kind of busy for me. But anyway, it is the Christmas season, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about what we might like to get as geek gifts, uh, and what you might want to some things that somebody might want to buy for. Uh, the geeks on their list, if uh, they've, because the, you know, there might be some, as we call them on the show, norms listening to us, and they might want to buy uh, gifts for some of their geekier friends. Uh, I know one of the things that's always my friend is uh, thinkgeek.com. They have the coolest stuff that you can go in there and buy for for yourself or your friends. I know the uh, Air Zuka. And I think I may have mentioned it on here before. It's a very popular gift and always a lot of fun and appreciated by geeks. Um, what about you, Mike? Um, well, you know, sometimes, you know, it depends on who you're dealing with. But, I mean, if they have devices, you know, one simple thing to do would be uh, uh, either iTunes gift cards or you can go into um, – um, the uh, iOS and you can gift people apps. That's always a good thing. If you know somebody that uh, has a particular interest and you know that some app might help them, that's always a good thing. Um, you know, uh, and gift cards is, you know, it's simple. That way you don't have to know specifically what they want. You can just kind of, uh, if they, if you know that they like, uh, you know, iTunes or, uh, you know, even Radio Shack, if they want to go in there and get electronic parts and stuff, uh, a gift card is always just a good uh, kind of catch-all way of doing things. Cards are always appreciated. I think the what what got me is I know we were doing a gift exchange one time, and you know I always tried to be creative with the stuff I would bring to a gift exchange, but sometimes I'd buy just something little, and then put a gift card with it. Like I know one year I did. Uh, I bought this polar bear that you filled with these uh, brown and dark colored jelly beans. When you pushed down on his head and the jelly beans shot out of his butt, you know, funny, funny. He had a Christmas hat on, all that. But then I stuck like a $15 or $25 uh, uh, Best Buy or Amazon, I don't remember what it was, gift card with it. Yeah, great thing for a geek. Geeks love that kind of stuff. Um, I'll tell you another good site if you want to find strange and unusual gifts is a site called, uh, and I got this from uh, Dick D. Bartolo on the Gizwiz, was um, Perpetual Kid, the Perpetual Kid. They have some, they're, it's usually not really expensive stuff, but they'll have funny stuff, like they'll have uh, cat butt flavored gum, you know, and you know, just weird little curious things like that. Spoon Sisters is another one he talks about a lot that has some interesting little things. I... Um, I bought my wife a couple years ago. You know, I don't know if you eat a lot of bagels or not. I mean, I thoroughly enjoy having a bagel in the morning. Um, but they can be a pain to cut, you know, trying to run the knife through it and cut the thing. They had this thing that kind of looks like a guillotine, but not completely. You put the bagel down and you rush, rush, push the knife thing down through it. Bagel's cut perfectly in half, and you've got a nice sliced bagel to put in the toaster. 
It wasn't uh, M- Marie Antoinette wasn't a spokesperson for this, was she? No, no, she wasn't, but she <laughs> could very easily have been. Uh, but it's been a very practical geek gift too, because my wife's continued to use it. Uh, uses it probably six, eight, ten times a week because everybody in the house likes a bagel sometime during the week, and um, it works great. There's, but I mean, you can get all kinds of little knickknack things. There's a USB hub. I think Think Geek still has it that I would recommend. I mean, we all, you know, you never have enough USB ports on your computer. Doesn't matter whether it's a Mac or whether it's a Windows machine, Linux, or whatever. There's a USB hub that looks like the launch switch from the movie War Games to launch a thermonuclear device, but it's a USB hub, and it's it's pretty cool. I, I, th- I think that would be something that if anybody wants to send me one, I wouldn't be opposed to accepting it um, but I think well, that, those, those that would kind go of with your good. piles of USB drives that you have, wouldn't it? Yeah, I could plug them all in. Well, let's see one. I probably need, need about fifty hubs, wouldn't? It? Yeah. I need places for about forty or so thumb drives to plug them all in at one time. Okay. So, I and, know you have a collection of them. There. Yeah, Black Friday didn't help things anymore. There's. Let's do, see. Do we need to do an intervention? Well, let's put it this way. There's, there's, the listeners can't see it. There, there's a uh, PNY 16 gig. gig that I got for a couple bucks, and oh, I had to throw in an 8 gig just for fun. And uh, oh, okay, I haven't even opened see, these I, yet. I don't do, uh, I, of course, I don't have a lot of use for uh, USB drives. Of course, I, you know, being a janitor, that I doesn't fit into my workflow. But you know, every once in a while, and actually, um, what because um, I take pictures for the. Um, the yearbook is just something I do, a, you know, a hobby. And what I used to do when I would share pictures with them was I would put them on a jump drive, take them to school. They would take the pictures off, and then they would uh, load them onto their computer. You know, it got to be a little bit of a hassle because then you're you're doing this whole sneaker net thing, which is just kind of annoying. What I did this year was on my one computer I have over here, I have what's called a Tonito uh, server running, which uh, it allows uh, you to access your computer from uh, – uh, other computers outside your network, and so what I would do is I would set up a, uh, I think kind of like a Dropbox share type thing. I would take the, go through my photos, find the best ones, put them into a, a separate folder on my drive, uh, and then with this Tonito server, I would send these people an email link to these uh, photos, uh, so then they could just look at them, upload the ones that they want. I didn't have to be shuttling uh, uh, drives back and forth; they could look at it at their leisure, and it just made, <clears throat> excuse me, made life lot easier for them that uh, I just like say email them a link and that was done uh, yeah that probably is a good way to do it I've heard of that I've never fooled with that <laughs> it sounds like an interesting way to do it because it's, it's kind of like sharing a Dropbox folder at that point isn't it yeah, it is, and it has several components to it. Um, it'll allow you to uh, – it has a media player, so if you want to listen to your uh, um, your media over, uh, over a network or somewhere else outside the network, you can do that. It does have a Dropbox-like component, uh, and you know their, their idea is you can get it for free, but if you want to upgrade to their paid package, I think for the free package, you can send between your computer's – I want to say about 500 megabytes, but then if you go up to their paid plan, which I think is $40, $30 a year, then you can sync up to like about 10 gigabytes uh, 
across your computers on your network, kind of you know think Dropbox type uh, uh, stuff there. And it also will uh, for pictures. It's nice too because then it's got like I said, it has the music player for music, but then it also has a kind of an album type setup for displaying pictures. So that's rather nice. So where when I do share pictures with uh, the yearbook people, it'll come up in kind of an album format, and then they can just kind of sit there and look at them, uh, look at the thumbnails, and then the ones that they want, they can just download. So they don't have to be like opening up separate files and looking at them. So it's kind of nice for that. That's pretty cool. I like that. I might have to play around with that some more. I've heard, I think it was on one of the Linux shows I listened to where they were talking about that. It sounded neat, and I got distracted and didn't get around to playing with it. But I might have to fire up a VM and stick it in there and have some fun with it because it might solve the problem of sharing files around the house here some more in it a does. different way. And then, uh, it also has a, a uh, iOS and a Android uh program so that if you want to load programs onto or off of your devices, especially iOS because they don't really have uh, you know, an export or a direct import or export uh, path without plugging it into iTunes uh, and doing something like that. So if you just want to pull a file off your computer onto your iPhone or in my case the iPod Touch, you can just fire that up and bring it over. You don't have to be doing a lot of messing around. And like I say, it'll share uh, 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 files across your network. You can access them from outside the house. It it has several possibilities, and, and I always like it. And like I say, the the free one works well enough for me. Although I have considered upgrading to the paid one so that I could use it to sync my like pictures and music across all my files, so I have multiple backups. That is a good idea. I yeah, I might have to give. There was more time today. You are a real time suck today, dude. <laughs> <laughs> My potential here. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love it. Um, now, thinking about gifts, we were talking about what do you think you'd like to see uh, Santa stuff in your stocking for for this year at Christmas? And remember, yeah. we're somewhat G-rated, not or PG. Well, no, I was just thinking along price lines because, I mean, if price was not an object, I wouldn't mind like a, you know, a MacBook Air or, well... No, really. I mean, if it came down to one thing and price wasn't too much of a, a, a problem, I wouldn't mind an iPhone uh, 5 in there with a uh, somebody paying the data plan. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's the thing that, that holds me back is paying for the, the monthly uh, services. But you know, even if there was a new iPod uh, uh, fifth generation in there, I, w- I, I would really like that because I have the old fourth generation. You know, it's good, but it is getting a little mm, sluggish, and uh, the camera on there has always driven me up a wall here. So um, I would like the new uh, iPod with the better camera because then that would kind of fit into my thing because I do. I have I, on one side I have this um, um, I mobile phone uh, pouch that has two uh, pockets in. So I have my basically feature phone in one and my iPod in the other. And then on the other side, the other saddle bag, I have a little camera bag with my Kodak camera and a couple spare batteries in it. If I had an iPod touch with a good camera so I could get rid of the one saddle bag, um, that would make things, I would like that a lot. And then be able to process uh, good quality pictures on there with all the software. Um, that That would make me quite happy. You know, uh, I never played with um, the only iPod touches that I have are the first gens. I never bought the later ones because um, they worked for a long time. 
and I still have them. I still use uh, two of them that I have. But um, the camera is is the camera that bad on the uh, fourth gen? Yeah, it's uh, you know it's okay if you want to post Facebook pictures or something. Uh, it's a sub megapixel. I forget. I think it's like a 0.62 megapixel camera. It's not really good. And uh, but the fifth uh, generation now is a. I think it's a five megapixel, and basically, I think it's the iPhone four or four S camera. I forget which one. It's not the iPhone uh, five camera, but uh, it's one step down, probably four or four S. So it's five megapixel, and they've always said that if it if it everything else is the same, they always said that four the four S camera was always pretty good because it had good glass and it took good quality pictures. It's just not about megapixels; it's about the the lens and everything else too. And from what I've heard from a lot of people, it sounds like they've got that part of it right in the iPhone, and so hopefully it translates over to the iPod too. Uh, yeah, now you make me think I might want an iPod and an iPod Touch again, but I I've got an iPhone four four mine's a four and to be honest with you that's the only camera i heart i use pretty much anymore it, i mean it's a five megapixel with decent glass on it. it doesn't do really great in low light but you know when we go away on vacation or anything i don't take my digital camera with me anymore or if i do it's rare because i've always got my phone in my pocket it takes good pictures um I know the last, was it not this past summer, but the summer before when we went to uh, the Great Smoky Mountains down in Tennessee, I took all our vacation photos with that, and everybody thought they were absolutely gorgeous photos and worked perfectly fine. So, I'm not a high-end photographer. I don't have a DSLR, and I really don't want to go down that route because that would be another money suck for me uh, because then you get into the body and the lenses and the filters and all this other stuff. So I don't do that. I, I just prefer to take interesting pictures. They don't have to be perfect pictures. They don't have to be of the highest quality, although I do want them to look good. Uh, I just want to be out there taking you know, the interesting pictures that just kind of uh, come up uh, you know, when you least expect it. So I, I want something with me. Like I say, for a lot of people, it's their phone. For me, it's my touch. And just to be able to pull it out and take a picture, um, you know, that's really cool. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that is, that's why I like my phone. It's, it's the, it was the greatest thing. I probably use that as much as any other feature I have on that phone. You know, uh, I, 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 I'm an oddball. I actually make phone calls on my phone. I know, I know how ridiculous that seems. But I do make use it for phone conversations. Um, but yeah, it, the the four takes great pictures. I got no problem with it. And probably next year when I get a five, or if I end up waiting all the way till whatever five S six, whatever the heck it is, the next one comes out with, um, that'll be even better. But we'll have to see. But you know what? I I'm still I'm jonesing for two things, or actually three things now. Uh, one of them thanks to. Uh, my co-host, Mr. Green Tree, um, the the things I wanted for Christmas, the things I put right at the top of my list, don't expect to even come close to getting them. But Christmas is about what you might want and wish for, not necessarily what you're gonna get. Hey, if I get you know underwear and socks, I'm just as happy as a pig in poop. It doesn't matter to me. But um, I put a MacBook Air. I still really want an 11 inch a new 11-inch MacBook Air. I've got a an older uh, a first or second one. I think it's the second one that came out, uh, MacBook Air, sitting over here behind me. 
I'm pointing behind me. Mike can kind of see behind me, but the listeners can't. Um, and it's a great little machine. I got it used from uh, our friend uh, uh, Steve Sheridan. Uh, it's a great machine. Use it all the time. Usually if I'm going to travel with a computer, that's the one I take with me because it's light, thin, easy to go. But what I really want is I want one of the new iPads, that fourth-generation iPad with that A6 process, A6X processor. So that's the second thing on my list. And the third thing on my list, thanks to Mark sticking it up and holding it into my face all the time, is I want an iPad mini. I don't even know why I want an iPad mini. I can't figure out why I want it. I think it's a great device. But until he started shoving one in my face all the time, um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I think that's something I would like to have, too. I'm The iOS devices are drawing me in more and more. I had actually had originally planned to put a... Uh, a new, I guess it's 5th gen iPod Touch on my list but when the iPod Mini came out I said oh, nope, take the iPod Touch off let's put the the uh, iPad Mini on You know, I think I've complained about it on other podcasts or to other people what would have made me really happy is when if when they had introduced the iPod the newest iPod, the 5th gen if they would have put a data plan in there not, you know, I would have been happy I realized they wouldn't because compete against the the iPhone line but because I really I don't make a lot of calls I mean I have a a feature phone I pay 15 bucks a month I get 200 minutes a month I keep rolling it over I'm up to like 800 minutes now I'm basically anti-social don't call a lot of people but I do need it once in a while so I would have been happy if they would have come out with the a touch and a data plan but now that they've got that uh, the iPad mini now and that does have a data plan because for me it's uh, since you know, I'm mobile, you know, like say high school custodian, I want something that I can wear on me that I can pull out once in a while. The iPad is a little big for that, but, um, you know, it, it would be mobile enough, small enough that if like we went to a um, town and uh, we went to Walmart and my wife off shopping, I could sit in Subway, pull this out if I had a data plan and be able to, you know, do something because they don't have Wi-Fi in there. Uh, you know, that's the thing. A lot of people talk about how there's uh, ubiquitous Wi-Fi everywhere. Well, you know, not out here in the sticks so much. So you kind of got to carry your own with me. That's why I want something with a data plan. And um, so that, you know, that, and I don't have an iPad of any sort. You know, the only, closest I come is my, my iPod that I have, which, you know, that's my only iOS device. So, you know, that is looking a little tempting right now. Um Say it wouldn't it doesn't quite fit into my be able to carry it with me all times uh, mantra, but it is small enough that I could take it with me certain places. The uh, the good thing that I think about it, you, you talk about the data plans. I and when I asked for the iPads, I put both on the list with and without the data plans because I have something and I've talked about it before on the show uh, called a MiFi, and it's from Virgin Mobile, and it's a pay as you go MiFi. Um, I noticed now, I bought this one, I've had mine a couple years, I think. Um, there was about $150 as what I paid for the device. And then you could buy top-up cards because I don't always need data every month. You know, I might need it one month and not need it the next. And um, they've now, the device itself now, I think at Walmart, sells for about 30 or $40. So it's really inexpensive for the device. And then they came out with a, I think it's a 2 or 3 gigabyte plan that you can buy for a month. And you can pay cash for it, so it's not on your credit card or anything like that. 
you can buy top-up cards for it at like Best Buy and then Walmart and places like that uh, for I think it's $35 for two or three gigabytes a month and if you have AT&T is it AT&T or Sprint's network it's Ride Sprint's network if you have Sprint network coverage for data you can use it for your uh, data plan Mike that might work out for your uh, iPod touch Except for the fact that uh, we got basically two carriers out here, Verizon and AT&T, because uh, I've seen a lot of those because I know Virgin Mobile has something and Sprint has something, but they're not big carriers out here. So that's my limiting factor is that uh, it's either you know Verizon or AT&T, and I think they got top-up plans, but it's just not quite that – it's not fitting into my budget the way I would like because I have considered the MiFi. That was one of my choices too. But um, like I say, our our it's the plans are a limiting option here. Shame that you don't have better data service. I, I mean, you know, the, the the fact of ubiquitous Wi-Fi. Um, I know I, you hear people talk about that all of the time. You hear, especially in uh, and I'm not picking on our neighbors out in California or our friends out in California, but they talk about it. But I can tell you one thing, there are a lot of places I go that do not have Wi-Fi. I'm starting to see it more. I mean, the local McDonald's has free Wi-Fi now, so you can give your kid a Happy Meal and then sit there on your iPad or your iOS device or Android tablet and whatever and, and, and go to town. But it's not ubiquitous everywhere. So I think of one of the shortcomings of anything that, that Apple has is making that assumption that Wi-Fi is everywhere for people it doesn't happen. It's not that way everywhere. It might be in Silicon Valley, but it's not that way everywhere. And I live outside Washington, D.C., and it's not even ubiquitous. And you would think, if because Wi-Fi is good for spreading stuff, and if they ever spread stuff, you know, D.C. spreads it out all over the place, so... Yeah, you'd think. I'm just, uh, I've tried to convince my wife to try shopping in a different grocery store, because they've got a... Uh a coffee shop there and they got a uh, uh, guest Wi-Fi that I could use, but she just would rather shop at Walmart. So uh, I haven't convinced her to switch stores yet. Maybe that's your, maybe that should be on the top of your list to have your wife switch grocery stores. There we go. Hmm. I'll have to work on that one. <laughs> well, um, I think we're coming towards the end of the show. So, uh, I think we'll kind of wrap it up here and, um, we'll let people know where, uh, they can find you, Mike. Yeah, like I said, we've already kind of plugged the Sci-Fi Tech Talk, and you know the uh, uh, URL for that is SciFiTechTalk.com. Um, and then the other show, I have a podcast I do by myself that I call Bard on the Plains, where um, I'll tell some of my stories, and I will uh, talk to people. Uh, and I talked to you a couple episodes ago, so you uh, you've uh, been on there, and we talked. We kind of geeked out there. I called that one "Geeks Are." Uh, so though looking back, I should have called it "We Speak Geek." That might have been a better title, but. <laughs> um, and if you go there and check it out, I don't know if you checked out the web page or not, but I got a picture of my, my first computer on there, my, my Tandy Color computer, and about three of the slide rules that I have and the, the, the book on how to use slide rules. So that's the picture I put up there for that podcast. So, um, But that is at uh, bardontheplains.blogspot.com. Very good. Uh, well, if you want to find out anything about the show, you can go over to geekiestshowever.com. You can email the um, email us. There's a link there to email us. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. And 
Yeah, I know the underscores are a pain in the butt to type. I've heard about that more than one time from people. Um, but you can also always go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder and find links to all kinds of things that I've done and uh, whatever else I might be up to at, at the latest point. Uh, so I encourage you to go over and do that. And I want to thank everybody for listening and downloading to the show. And until next week, please be kind and hug a geek. Hello. I'm Mike McPeak from Bard on the Plains podcast. Growing up on the plains of South Dakota, I used to listen to my dad tell stories about his life. I never had a chance to record any of these, but I realized that everyone has a story to tell. And that's what I try to do on this podcast, tell anecdotes of my own and have other people tell their stories in their words and in their voice. So please listen to Bard on the Plains podcast. It's about stories, mine and yours.